It's time for leftovers. It's basically what this feels like. So now that we did the heavy shit in the other episode, let's what's left. Which was particularly heavy, by the way. That is some some dark shit. Yeah. Normally we would record these on separate days, but things as they are, we're doing both of these episodes in a row. So hopefully that doesn't taint this one too much. And maybe I should just focus on the word taint there and get in a goofier mood. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that gets us into the right head space. Okay, so taints. Taints. I, uh, let's talk about... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do our follow-ups. Let's do a follow-ups. Um, Liam, your, your challenge was five pictures every day with a real camera. Did you do it? Yeah, I did it. And um, I posted it in a place that you wouldn't like. I did it on Instagram. Blah. You yeah, still need I, to put a photo album on your damn website. Yeah, I, I just haven't really had a chance to figure out how to do that properly. But yeah, I'll, I'll eventually put them all up there. It's but easy. Yeah, I, you have Squarespace. I you just drag and drop. I ended up... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it. You just dump photos. You you add the gallery block and then just literally dump photos into it. Mm, yeah, okay. I'll do it. CC. It, there's so much, though. I mean, I ended up taking way more than five. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I ended up. I, I think. I think on my highest day, I got to like forty-seven. Mm. And as another follow-up, if you guys didn't less, listen to the last episode, but you've heard somehow didn't listen to the last episode, but you heard the ones before, where I keep asking Lamb if he read digital minimalism. Was, minimalism, minimalism. Damn, there it is again. That rewind thing. I don't know what happens there. Um, digital minimalism. He did read it, and we talked about it in the last episode. So. You talk a lot about that sensation of like being present with the camera and leaving the phone in the car, which I yeah. think is fascinating. I, when you you called me on the phone earlier, it took me so long to answer it because I didn't know where my phone. Was. <laughs> I had no idea where it was. I totally have that experience. I mean, I, there are people who who text me and call me and expect answers. It, I, I I've discovered how quickly people expect responses. Yeah, it's, it's if it takes a half hour, then you're being a jerk, basically. Yeah, and or they'll ask me like, "Are you mad at me?" I'm like, "No, no, I just put my phone away." <laughs> Sorry, dude. Luckily, not that many people text me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. So my challenge was to be patient with deleting social media accounts. Technically, I did. Technically, I was patient because um, if we had recorded this when we were supposed to, we would have recorded this on Thursday, which is when I had to be patient till. And I didn't delete them until yesterday, which was Saturday. So technically, nice. I passed. Solid. But now I'm social media free. That's crazy. Literally 100% social media free. Yeah. I mean, no Reddit, no uh, no Tumblr, no Facebook. I literally... I Actually, after I did Facebook, I did Instagram and I did uh, Twitter. Then I actually... I did a search of my name. To see how many different like public profiles came up that I forgot that I ever made, and there was like fifteen different things of accounts that I don't even use, but would come up when you searched my name. So I went through the process of going and deleting all those too. Interesting. Wow. So you've com- not only eliminated the apps, you've eliminated yourself from them as well. Yeah. So basically, if if, if people want something about me, they go to the podcast or they go to the website. That's it. I think that's that makes more fucking sense instead of like 50 different places. Well, if you happen to be here, you can find me here. If you happen to be here, you can find me here. Whose idea was that? Holy shit. You know whose idea was? It was the companies that make the money off of it. That's who. Well, not, not only on the other side of that now is that from a, a from your perspective, that means you would have to manage all of those various... Yeah, and avenues. I was. Yeah, that's madness, dude. Yeah. No, screw it. Screw it. I don't need it. I... I, I I literally, what the, what the hell am I going to tweet about? You know how much stuff we talk about in this show? like, And then if you put it in Creative Minds, when I do a Creative Minds episode, in that week, the two conversations I had, I've got nothing else to say publicly. <laughs> and if I do, I would rather squeeze it into a blog or something. Sure. Why the hell would I want to just... Spew, you know, it's like, it's like little piss stains on your underwear. I don't need the piss stains anymore. I'm just going to take a leak. Sure. 
this is a show, I guess, where I get to use those metaphors more often. Yeah, and they actually, it doesn't matter if they make sense or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know what? One thing I will say, I don't want to focus on this too much. We've talked a lot about social media in the past. Uh, it's been a while since I've been using the accounts. Um, and now they're completely deleted, but it's totally weird. I feel, um, feel really good. Um, not, this isn't the, like you see these articles about people who take a 20 day break from Twitter or they give up their phone and they feel good. I don't mean like that. Like, I mean, like, uh, all the stuff that was upsetting me and all the stuff that, um, was heavy on me before is not anymore. You know, like I don't worry so much about stuff that I guess really wasn't that important. You know, like I'm not, I'm not attached in any way to the outrage cycle anymore. Mm. There's literally no way that that could get to me unless somebody like fucking emails me something, which don't email me. I don't want emails. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I was going to say you're, you're inviting some horror by even saying that. Oh, I mean, uh, let me clarify. I, I like, for example, I, I did an interview with Mark Engels last week. I put it up last week. And uh, somebody emailed me to say, this is somebody from the, the mailing list, the Holy Fool mailing list, emailed me to say a great episode. That's wonderful. That's the kind of email I would never say no to. Not because it's praising me, but because it's nice. The person's being nice. But I don't want somebody to take a shit in my email box and tell me a bunch of crazy shit and then yell at me. <laughs> I will just hunt you down and I don't know delete your social media accounts while you're asleep. <laughs> oh, that would be a pretty fucked up thing to do to somebody, wouldn't it? Well, that's a kindness. They won't, they won't see it as that in the moment, but it's a right. kindness in the long run. Yeah, you, they'll think that you're ostracizing them from the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so digital minimalism. Uh, Oxen Free, you haven't played it yet, right? Wait, what? Oxen Free, you haven't played that yet, right? No, I have not. Okay. Coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> Lamb's Long Journey to Oxen Free. I'm, the, actually, the I, I'm literally just going to play it tonight because I feel like it's been sitting on the docket for way too long. You're going to fucking love it. You really are. It's it's so wonderful. It's it's not really it's not the experience of playing a game. It's like it's an experience. Like it's it's like being in an animated movie, mm. but like not a cartoon. Like it's it's a it's a tale about like uh, war and go, the ghosts of war. I'll say that. Um, so it's it's not light like you know kid stuff, but it's it's just really well done. I think you're really gonna enjoy it. Okay, well let's let's go to your list. What do you want to talk about on your list? Do you want to talk about this process of writing a song here? Yeah, um, man, it, it's funny because from the point in which I originally put it on the list until now, it's already changed. Um, so I've been I've been going through a pretty horrible. Uh, well, not horrible, but just difficult. Horrible is not the right way to describe it. Um, a difficult life change, a breakup. Um, and, you know, it, uh, I, I, I hate the cliche of, you know, pain produces art or pain makes art better or whatever it may be. But there is no, there is no clearer truth to me than that now. Um, and it, it tells me that up until this point, I've never used pain or difficulty properly or art properly in order to allow myself the space to feel the pain. And I think, you know, you and I talked about it a little bit throughout the course of the week is that, you know, I, I came to the realization that, that, that art itself is not really a vessel for healing pain. It's what gets pain out of the way so that you can heal. And right. that's an interesting, that's an interesting distinction. It's, it's like, uh, I don't know how many people know about this. I can't remember what movie they do it in. But you know, if you get bit by a rattlesnake, you're supposed to suck out the venom for the person. That's the at least the movie trope. <laughs> yeah. And some movie, somebody got bit in the ass by a rattlesnake. I think it was City Slickers. I don't remember. doesn't matter. Anyways, art is like sucking the poison out. You still have to do the healing afterwards. Sure. You just got to get the poison out. And yeah, sometimes because- the poison is the over-emotionalness. Over yeah, because even if you literally just just make the art and don't heal, you'll still stay in that spot forever. Yeah. So what, what's the plans with the song? What are you going to do with the song? You're going well, to keep producing yeah, I mean, it. So to give people, I, I'll, I'll describe the day that led to its 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 production. I guess um, 
So I went up to the city and I, I saw Hamilton, uh, the musical, which, by the way, is a phenomenal musical for anyone who's interested in musical theater. I or can't not. get into it. Really? You got to see it live. The music is awful. No, you have to see it live. It's a different experience live. Okay. It's like it's I'll like Muse, it, it's like Muse to me. Um, Muse is okay to me on their albums, but you can tell once you see them live that most of the stuff that they wrote was meant to be performed live. Okay, um, so that makes sense. So, so I, I then ended up. Uh, walking around the city, um, doing the classic, you know, John Cusack from the mid eighties kind of movie moves with going to all the old spots that her and I used to go to and ending up at our favorite spot. Um, Oh God, I thought you were going to say you went to her house and held up a boombox. No, dear God. No. Although, although I did have, (laughs) you might need, you might need some help. No, I did have that impulse though. I mean, but I, I, I stopped myself short of doing something crazy like that. So I sat and watched sunset on a cliff edge in the middle of San Francisco. Um, and then I realized in that moment how much um, the relationship had had a profound effect on me. So I, I literally cried the entire way home. I and mean, I hate even saying this out loud on the podcast, but I was in tears for a solid 45 minutes driving home from San Francisco back to my house. And as soon as I got to my house, I sat down at the piano. like I could just feel the energy of what I was feeling in that moment so, so severely that I had to get it out somewhere. Um, and with that feeling, I ended up just not even writing a song. I just literally played and sang the song without writing it down ahead of time. Um, and it's probably the best thing I've ever written. And so, you know, it, and in, in the original production of it, like, it, or not the production, I literally recorded it on a voice memo on my phone. But you can hear my voice tremble. Um, you can hear me freaking out while I'm singing it. And you can almost sense that my hands are trembling because they are. Um, as I'm playing the whole damn thing. And so I'm going to have my friend Ryan, um, who I think you've interviewed on Creative Minds, actually. Yeah, Ryan um, Hernandez. Yeah, Ryan Hernandez of Strata and Balancing the Lion fame. Um, and I'm going to... Uh, and 311. Uh, sorry about that, Ryan. Uh, but I'm going to have him help me produce um, a recorded version of that. And I'm taking a, a pretty weird and big step, which is I'm going to produce it completely, um, submit it, and then put it up on Spotify. Awesome. I have one suggestion for you. Hmm. Make sure he puts a microphone on the ground near the piano so you can get the sound of that foot pedal. Oh, yeah. No, he, we absolutely talked about that. He says he wants every little morsel of imperfection in that song. Yeah, because you need that. It gives it the, the part of the genuineness comes from that too. The creak of that pedal was just, yeah. Um, sorry, guys, you can't hear it till it's done. <laughs> We're just going to have to <laughs> deal with us describing it. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty special to me. Like it's 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 probably officially the most honest thing I've ever written, and that includes every medium that I've I've worked in, like whether it's poetry or prose or you know what video or photography. This is by far the most honest thing I've ever done artistically, and it is ruthlessly brutal emotionally to me. Oh, <laughs> well, it's always a good thing to get those ruthlessly brutal things out. Those are the things that you know you'll look at later and and you feel like you'll still feel it, but then you go. Oh, yeah, sure. a sweetness to it. Sure, sure, sure. Speaking of sweetness, I, if you guys hear any weird noises, my dog is on my lap right now. He's being super loving because basically it's really close to his dinner time. Uh, <laughs> oh man, he's just working you, buddy. Oh yeah, he's like rubbing his head against my neck right now. He's loving me more than normal. I mean, he loves me, but... Uh, have do you, have you watched uh, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams on Amazon Prime? Uh, I haven't watched. It's episodic. I think I've seen a couple of episodes, but I haven't watched it in a really long time, so I don't remember much about it. Everybody should. If anybody out there that's a Black Mirror fan, watch it. It's as good, if not at times, maybe even a little better than Black Mirror. It was definitely very different in its feel. Really, I thought it was identical. Like you could have dropped that as Black Mirror, and people wouldn't have known the difference. I feel like I, I I can sense the difference because in Black Mirror, um, the stories are a little more encapsulated and less world building. If that makes any sense. No, these um, aren't world building. Maybe you just watched a couple weird ones. Yeah, maybe I did. These are did this is anthology. All. They're not connected in any way. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like even within the episodes themselves, the 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 um, Philip K. Dick one feels a little more large. If that makes any sense, Black Mirror feels very small. Mm. I get what you're saying now. Yeah, there's... um, This is... I don't know how to describe which episode I watched. I think it's called... um, Yeah, I can't remember. 
and safe and sound maybe. Mm. But the the reason I can't tell you which episode is because I was watching them in the order that the TV app was playing them. But then when I went in and looked, they were listed on the actual you know story. I mean the show page in a different order, which is just really weird. So I have no idea. For me, it was the second to last episode. But it's an episode about drones that almost feels a little bit like if uh, if Amazon took over the world. That was a pretty crazy episode. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the one I saw. But the one that was really, really intense is about... Um, it's about school kids and these little bracelets that they have to use to look at their certain school books. But, you know, if you don't get one of those, the, then you have to just sit there. <laughs> you have nothing to look at. Um, but in order to do it, you have to get your parents to do a background check and all this stuff. So it's basically like, do you want to be surveilled or do you not want to be surveilled? If you want to be not surveilled, then you, you suffer. Um, but it's also about a country that's split in half and the East is all technological. So this is in the East, but they think everybody on the West is a terrorist. Um, so it's also a story about terrorism and well, I'll keep my mouth shut. That episode, whatever it's called, it's called, I think it's called Safe and Sound. That episode is better than any Black Mirror episode I've ever seen. That episode, just that particular episode, was so powerful and so pertinent that it, it was difficult to watch. Uh, it was that good. So highly, highly okay. recommended. And, uh, and, for, just, and for anyone who doesn't know, it can be found on Amazon Prime. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. it's an Amazon original. That's right. Which means most of you are already paying for it. Yep. You know, I'm still shocked at the number of people who don't realize that they have Amazon Video with Amazon Prime. Yeah, they, it seems like they've done a pretty bad job of telling people about that, doesn't it? Maybe they don't want people to know. I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, Box them into their they, ecosystem. Because, it makes, because it's just a side benefit and they make a whole heck of a lot more money off the shopping, so they don't want the traffic. I'm not sure that they make more money off the shopping. Remember how they were bankrupt for years? Yeah, because that's true. They I, I legitimately shopping. Have- yeah, I legitimately have no idea. <laughs> um, then let's get back around to that Denver International Airport story. But you, oh, you know a lot about the actual stuff, so tell me about it. I'll tell. I'll talk about the actual video if you want. But you tell. Tell us about the conspiracy theories of the end. Well, there. let's let's start with the video so there's a grounding point because I have information that ping pong balls all over the place. So basically, there's this video. It's uh, super entertaining. You should watch it. It's pretty much the coolest thing I've seen somebody do for PR in a long time. Um, Lamb's going to elaborate on this more, but there's a lot of conspiracy theories about the Denver International Airport. So they decided to put up this gargoyle. It's it's like, a, I guess you'd say it's life-size, um, at least human life-size. And it is a talking gargoyle. It is a talking gargoyle that is not AI. We're almost 100% positive of that because it's too damn fast and it interacts with people before they interact with it. And it is hilarious. Like one of the first things in the video it says is, uh, welcome to Illuminati headquarters. Um, so it just, I, I don't know, it's just, whoever's doing this, it's got to be more than one person that's doing it because one person can't be on shift all the time, right? But the yeah. person has such a spot on sense of humor that not only the idea, but the execution of it, bravo to the Denver International Airport. And if you are covering up conspiracies, you guys are the best. <laughs> really. Everybody else, maybe the CIA needs to learn from you. Man. Um, so tell us about why, is, why, does, why, does, why do people think that there's crazy shit at the airport? You said that it costs, what, billions of dollars more than it was supposed to or something? Yeah, it costs $2 billion more than it was supposed to. Um, there, there are estimates that there are there's a superstructure under the airport itself um, that is as large, if not larger, than the actual main structure of the airport. Um, there's a whole bunch of these crazy apocalyptic murals that line pretty much every every large wall inside of the airport itself, and they're very, very strange. I've actually seen them in person, and they are very strange. This is the airport um, that had the one with the the basically the stormtrooper. Yeah, with, with the machine gun, like yeah. they had like a Vader mask, basically. 
Yeah, he had like a gas mask, and there's a whole bunch of people behind him, and he was like in front of another person. It's you you have to see it to, to he's really like hurting children it. or something. Yeah, he's he's hurting children. He's got like a giant saber, um, and I mean, there's there's so many other things. Like there's there's you know weird dedication placards that don't make any sense. Um, that, so what do people that, think is under there? What do they think is like? I mean, obviously somebody thinks it's Illuminati headquarters. Well, what I mean, there's there's many missiles. There's yeah, the, no, there's many there's many um, theories as to what's down there. Like um, the most prevailing one, I think, is that it's a, a a specialized shelter for like the richest richest people in the world, and people have to pay like you know hundreds of million dollars to reserve a seat there for when the looming apocalypse comes. Why Denver? Who who knows altitude um, situation? Like I mean. I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you why, but I mean, there 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 are so many oddities um, in how the airport is laid out and built as well. Um, you know, there are whole sections of the airport that are completely unoccupied, um, and no one knows why. Um, even the, I mean, it's not really that big a deal, but the, and I don't think it's intentional. But even the shape of the actual airport itself is a swastika. If you look oh, at wonderful. it from above, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you look at it from above, it looks like a damn swastika. Um, so there's just a lot of very strange things about the airport. I mean, the, the the horse is probably the least terrifying thing, and the horse is damn terrifying. <laughs> okay, well, correct me if I'm wrong, though, I'm on one of these things, but wouldn't higher altitude and nuclear fallout be worse? Don't you want to be at sea level? I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe maybe there's a missile. I mean, there's also guesses that there's a missile defense system at the airport itself too. But I mean, this is all rumor and innuendo. I don't know if any of it's actually true. Yeah, the reason I brought up missiles is because we already have missiles in in Denver, or not Denver in Colorado. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so that that would make sense to me at least. If you're going to hide something, that's probably okay. Stop. <laughs> He's trying to dig a hole in the carpet. Nice. Uh, yeah, it, it seemed to me if you were going to hide like a secret base, you would hide it in a probably less conspicuous place. Yeah, or maybe they don't give a shit if it's secret or not. Or yeah. they knew they were going to have this good of PR. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the the, the I, and I'm not even a guy who typically subscribes to conspiracy theories. Like, I'm actually not a conspiracy nut at all. Um, but I mean. Nothing about that airport is normal. I mean, even the statue itself. I hope you post a picture of what the the, the horse looks like. It is absolutely crazy looking. Um, it's got big veins on it. It's got these giant eyes. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on with that thing. Um, and the, and the, the number of murals. Like, I mean, the the every single one of them tells like this very strange apocalyptic narrative that doesn't have any basis in history. So they are either fictional or some people are saying they're premonitory so they're they're telling of events that will happen um uh, yeah i mean there's 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 so many things man <laughs> or maybe everybody is just blotted out on cbd and, <laughs> and yeah like true. paint whatever the fuck you want yeah i mean even the the the, the dedication pack uh or plaque and, and and some of the random things all around the airport itself. I mean, there's the, the dedication has a very specific sequence of numbers that doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, there's, there, the, there's mountains of data that represent a very clear and odd number of things that are happening at that airport that just don't make any sense in, in, in airport construction or um, in typical air, airport dedication or anything like that. I mean, just the, the large chunks of the airport by itself that aren't used, for example, um, considering that the, the airport itself went over time and over budget on construction, um, there's there was literally no reason to build those sections. Now I need to go to Denver because that sounds awesome. Yeah, right. I mean, it sounds so interesting. I, I wish I'd known this before I'd gone to Denver the last time I did because there's so many cool things in here. And anybody listening, if your secret clubhouse is under the Denver International Airport, hey, hook us up. Take us for a tour. Yeah, I would love to. I, I imagine it's one of those like tours. Once you see it, you're killed or something like that, or you have to stay there forever. Yeah. Well, I don't really have much else going on. Yeah, exactly. You can do, you can do your podcast from there anyway, so yeah. it's probably worth it. Yeah. Random Badassery live from Illuminati headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the theories, by the way, is that the Illuminati headquarters and the the, the main Illuminati meeting area is at the Denver airport. Uh, if only they existed. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
Okay, what's next? This is a shorter show. We got to be tight. I don't know. What do you got? What do you, what do you got? What do you want to throw in there? They think they figured out who Jack the Ripper is. Is that a good one? Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Did Please you see it? Did you read it? No, or... I, did, I did not. I think it's a video, actually. It's uh, from CBS. CBS News. So, um, what's her name? Shit. Now I got to click the link to remember which, which victim. One of the vic- burping. One of the victims. I'm looking right now. I can't remember his name. Her name. Eddowes. That's right. Catherine Eddowes. Um, so Catherine Eddowes, one of the victims of Jack the Ripper. Um, one of the things that was left behind at the scene was a scarf. But they've had an evidence forever. It's been in museums. It's it's been there's prominence to it. They know that it is the scarf. Um, they found. They took it and did DNA on it. Um, they found her blood on it, or what they believe is her blood. So to clarify how they do this stuff, obviously they don't, from 1888, have a blood sample of Catherine Eddowes, uh, but they know her descendants. So they can test her descendants and see if the mitochondrial matches. Um, so it's not 100% that it's her, but considering that it was found at her crime scene, and <laughs> that matches up, pretty good chance it's her blood. Mm-hmm. Um but what they also found on there was some spooge, some semen. <laughs> so apparently, which is which. First of all, before we go any further, puts on a very different angle to the Jack the Ripper murders, if this is correct, because no one ever assumed that there was a sexual angle to it. Sure. You know, obviously, there was some sexual angle angle because he was killing prostitutes. But they didn't know that it, it went to the point of him enjoying himself that much, shall we say. <laughs> Indulging in sexual yeah. in sexual assault, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, they found the semen stains. They did DNA on those. And once again, mitochondrial connections. But it tracks back to one of the suspects, which was, I forget his name, but his last name was Koz, Kozminski. He was the 29-year-old butcher, Polish butcher. So assuming that the scarf is legit, which they seem to believe it is, and assuming that they're the only people that could match those DNA, looks pretty good. It looks better than any other theory so far because there's science behind it. Hmm. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I mean, what's are they going to? I mean, obviously, the the case is way past any statute of limitations that's reasonable. Yeah, but I mean, like, what do you what, do? what him up and convict him? Yeah, what does that ultimately mean, though? Is that just purely for the sake of human history? Yeah, I would assume it's just to just to clean the. I mean, technically, it's an open case, so it closes the case. You know, people don't understand this, but if the case is not solved, even if it's a hundred years like this, it's still an unsolved case. Yeah, it's on still the books. Open, sure. yeah, it's technically still on the books. So technically, that means that there's probably someone who's assigned to that case. They're probably not doing anything about it because they have other cases, but technically it's assigned to a detective. Yeah. Which well, is kind of crazy to think about. You imagine being that guy, be like, and you get Jack the Ripper. Fuck, great. There goes my clearance numbers. Well, I also, I also wonder if there's anybody who is still directly related to... Either, either who they thought Jack the Ripper was or any of the victims at this point. Well, there has to be because that's how they did the, the DNA connections. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Otherwise, I mean, like I said, you know, they don't have, they don't have Edo's blood in a jar and they don't have Kosminski's semen just sitting around. They had to test it against descendant relatives. Sure, sure, sure. So once again, it's because it's mitochondrial... It's not a hundred percent. I'm not an expert on on DNA and DNA sequencing, but mm. from what I understand, it could be something like uh, one out of every four hundred people or something could match that. Mm. So, yes, it's one out of four hundred people, but one of those four one of those people happens to be a suspect. So. Looks pretty good. Looks pretty good that Kosminski was the Jack the Ripper. So the question is, how long until they solve the Zodiac? Those are the two big ones. Yeah, the the two giant serial killer cases that just don't have answers yet. And then so maybe I mean, they'll find. Are you, are you are you still into true crime as much as you used to be? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I just watched uh, the disappearance of Madeline McCann on Netflix. That was yeah. pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. I, it's in the newsletter. If you guys want to hear about it, go. Well, I guess it's too late if you're not signed up. But you can go on the website. Everything I post is the weekly roundups. Is there? You can read the description of that. We don't need to waste time here. Mm. This is a tight one. We want to get all this stuff on our list out. Our leftovers got to get cooked. Otherwise, they got to get thrown away. Yeah, which is interesting considering how how windy we were on that last episode. We could talk for an hour on one particular subject, and now we've already gotten through five. Yeah, see, it's nice. We were doing these both in the same episode, and I think it was a little weird. Like, fast, slow, fast, 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 slow, slow. Yeah, 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 definitely. I like that there's a dumping ground. That's what this feels like. That's not yeah. really dumping ground. Welcome to the toilet. But it's basically, <laughs> we're basically flushing our brains in this episode. Yeah, you know that place in the yard where you only... It's the only place in the yard where you want the dog to shit? That's where you are right now. Yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> is this show... Is this one going to be called anything different? Nah, I'm just going to give them the same titles. I don't want to get too confusing. Yeah, true. Okay, that makes sense. And people will figure it out. Whatever. I don't think anybody cares that much. Yeah. We could just call I mean, it Leftovers unofficially. How's that? Yeah, if anybody... If anybody... If it becomes important enough, then that's a great problem for us to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, I only have one more thing on my list, so let's uh, go back to yours. Come on, come on, pick one, pick one. Hmm, Throw a um, or default. make one up. Nobody I, I can like, see it but me. <laughs> I like the default network, actually. Um, that's one that comes out of digital minimalism as well. Yeah, we touched um, a little bit on... We didn't actually go into the term of it on the last one. We should have. Yeah. So uh, uh, you want to explain that one? Um, we've talked about it on shows before. I think it was, what book was I reading? Um, maybe it was when I was reading Digital Muslim. Yeah, because he talks about uh, Matthew Lieberman, the researcher. Yep. So the, the default network is it's where your brain goes when you're not doing a task. Um, it's associated with social parts of your brain. And it's also one of the reasons I think that you appreciate it most is because it's where your brain goes when you are in solitude. Yep. And so, it- it's that the, oh man, I don't want to repeat what we talked about in the the other episode. Okay, never mind. I'm flushing this topic. Let's go. Let's well, go not flush the topic. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, okay. <laughs> so if you want to hear about the solitude, go over and listen to the last episode. I think I'm going to call that one uh, "Dumbass with the Podcast." It's uh, I don't remember the number. I don't have it in front of me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. A lot of hold ons this episode. Six. It'll be sixty three. <laughs> This is episode 64. So that'll be a 63. Go back to 63 for that. But aside from solitude, what else do you have you noticed about the default network that makes you interested in it? Do you notice that social aspect of it? Um, I kind of do, uh, but I don't notice it. I think, I think uh, I, when it comes to the default network or solitude in general, I think everybody's version of it is going to be slightly different because a lot of what the defer, default network becomes deferred. Default network. network. The deferred network. A lot of what the default <laughs> network becomes in my mind is whatever you whatever your brain needs in order to achieve a sense of peace if you listen to it and i think that um, you know a lot of what's talked about in digital minimalism is how uh, we're inherently built with a certain um, need to think a certain way like we're pack animals and we're social creatures so by its very nature the the default network helps to bolster um, the tools and the desire that you need in in, in which to cultivate that within um, a group of people, um, more specifically in, in how you how you think of the social world around you. I like to call it the sanity space. It's a place where things just kind of... For anybody that's an introvert, you are very familiar with the default network. It yeah. is the place in your mind that you need to go. Otherwise, you start feeling crazy. Extroverts seem to need to go to it less, but they don't realize that they do need to go to it still. Because um, the way that we build... So even if you're an extrovert and you're very social, you still need to be able to go into this place to be able to understand um, the interrelatedness of all the information that you've just learned about other people. Yeah. So it's, it's crucial. And it's also something that we are all losing contact with because of uh, continually dipping into our devices. Well, I mean, if for, if for no other reason, the default network makes connectiv- like true connectivity possible... You know, it makes it makes it possible for you to relate to the people you're actually talking to. Yeah, you're without the default network, you're unable to um, to navigate social maps, which means that you don't understand other people 
you don't understand the context of other people and you don't understand your context among other people. So sure. in other words, you don't know what the fuck's going on. And so that's why you see so much, so many people being reactive uh, is because they're not getting into that context area. So they, you know, somebody says this, that's just what it means. You know, we're becoming more and more literal. Well, in my mind, the, the default network or the lack of visiting of the default network is what creates social anxiety. And over time, it's what turns social anxiety into other, just other psychological disorders. Well, I, th- I think it's all, any, any problem you have, any social problem at all, I think it's going to all relate back to the default network because that's the part of the brain. Sure. Um, it's it's of the three places that light up when the default network is used. One of them is the section where all social interaction happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, close your phone. Stop listening to this podcast and go sit in a, a room and stare at the wall for twenty minutes. It's not what we're saying. What we are saying is go for a walk without headphones. Yeah, go for a walk, and and it's not even go for a walk. Go go wherever it is that you that you cannot. Like the key to, to to visiting the default network and the key to solitude is not being distracted. And whatever it takes to get to get you to that space is what's important. So for some people, it might be floating in a pool. You know, for some people, it might be sitting in a sauna. For some, it might be sitting on a a rooftop or a cliff edge. And, you know, for me, I find I find that the ocean brings me to a very centered point. So not just the ocean, but just running water in general. When I hear running water, everything else disappears. And I think for, for most people, they've forgotten what, what place or space in their lives gives them that sense of clarity. And I think that that's probably the best way I can define how I feel when I'm, when I'm in true solitude, is that there's an absolute clarity. There is no other distraction other than the, the sound of my own voice in my head. It's the same. It's the same thing. You guys go the same. You go to the default network. If you're a religious person, when you go into prayer, that's where oh, you're going. Sure. Yeah, it's a good point. You're going into that same place. So uh, for for the people of religious leanings, that's what you get out of prayer is going into your your default network. Obviously, you get more out of it than that, but um, that's from a biological sense. That's what you're doing. You're getting well, that clarity and that and solitude. Plus- and plus beyond that too, it's it's not even what you do in that space is entirely different from getting to the space itself. You know what I mean? And I think that's what the, the distinction I have to draw here too is that the default network isn't necessarily what gives you the thoughts. It's what makes it possible for you to even have those thoughts. Yeah. It's 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 the room. Yeah, it's the room. Yeah. Uh bro, bro, let's take another one of yours. How about you want to talk about death, baby? Oh man, I'm not sure. Um Okay, then we'll we'll skip it then. Pick one. <laughs> Yeah, that one. That one. I feel. I feel like that one needs time. I need to flesh that one out a little bit. Did we do wisdom versus intellect already, or did we bring we did, it up and yeah, say we, we're going to talk no, about we talk, it? We we talked about it in the last episode. Let me move that one out of there. Okay, I got it already. God, this is literally this is literally like a toilet bowl. Yeah, we're just wiping our ass for you guys right now. Um, aging. If you're starting to feel you're getting old, what is that? Is that coming from being alone? Um, a little bit. I, I started to feel it before that, but the the being alone definitely feels a has has given that a, a an exclamation point that it didn't have before. Um, you know, I think about where I am in my career and what I'm planning on doing with the the next ten years of my life, and I I feel a sense of urgency now that I haven't felt in a long time. It's part of the reason why, for example, I'm, I want to record and put out this song. Is that I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know how much time I've got left on this planet and all of this accumulated knowledge and experience needs a way to get out. Cause by nature, I think it's not just me, but I think everyone, including you, um, we have a very strong drive to teach, um, and to pass on information. And I think that my need to do that has become exponentially stronger in the last couple of years. Yeah. For me, that's what this show is. This show is an opportunity for me. Let me try that again. I was reaching for something. Yeah, for me, in a way, that's kind of what this show is. It's a way for me to teach, I guess. Although I don't really think of it in those terms because I feel like that's a weird... Sharing maybe is a better way to say it for me. I feel like I'm collecting all this information all the time. and reading these things and all this stuff. I need a place to spew it out. Otherwise, it's like, why am I collecting it? Uh, sure. You know what I mean? Like At a certain point, I think when you're younger, maybe this goes back into the aging thing, you think you're collecting these things for yourself. Like I'm making myself more awesome. Yeah. But that's not really what it is. If it is, you're kind of a douche, right? Sure. Totally. 
Oh, you know, I was I went, reached all the way across the room to try to find that note for something, and it wasn't there. <laughs> I had this really wonderful idea for something, but anyways, um, you know, what else do you want to say about aging? What else is there? I mean, you think? Do you think that it's it's depressing, or is it enriching, or is it a mixture of the two right now? Um, I don't think it's either for me. Um, for me, it's. You know, the, you know the feeling you get um, if you've ever ridden a train in your life. There's a feeling that you have right before the train completely comes to a stop and the doors open. It's that moment right before the doors open. Um, so there's there's a hopefulness but an urgency as well at the same time. Like I'm glad to be getting off the train. Like I, I'm not afraid of death necessarily, um, but I'm. I don't know. There's a there's a, there's a flinching action. There's a, a hesitation to leave the train for a moment, you know. Um, but you know that that you've got to walk through the door at some point. That's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, it's kind of interesting. I feel you know it's so weird because we go so deep on the other ones that I feel like jumping through this stuff. Sometimes I'm like, are we going too fast? I don't know. Yeah, we have. I mean, I feel like I feel like we've said a lot and we haven't said shit all at the same time. This is just for this is like snacks. And I think I think what what's good about these two is you know some of these might become something bigger. You know, like you talked about aging now, but now because we talked about it, you might be reading something in the next week that's going to be about aging, and then it'll be like a bigger topic. Sure, you know what I mean. I don't know. This yeah. is like a <clears throat> we're burning kindling. There's a lot of no, metaphors I'm using. Yeah, I was going to say that's a great way to put it. I feel like this entire show has been metaphors so far. <laughs> yeah metaphorical um one thing i had on here was identity habit interplay so um one of the books that i've kind of been flipping through is atomic habits by james clear i don't buy a lot of productivity books because they tend to be really repetitious but enough people that i respect have been interviewed in other podcasts that i've heard in the last uh i don't know like a couple weeks and the book came up multiple times. And I was like, all right, I got to check it out. And one of the things he talks about in there is the difference between um, doing something because you think you're supposed to be doing it or because you want to do it and identifying yourself as somebody who does it. And the way that that connected for me was, uh, it's actually an example he uses, but this is from my real life. Um, you've probably heard people tell me this before. When you quit smoking, the way that I... So for people who don't know, I smoked cigarettes for 18 years. Um, and then I quit cold turkey. I, I just said, I'm not going to smoke anymore. And I never had a single puff. And it's been five or six years. Yeah, something like that. Um, somewhere in there. I haven't had a single drag, nothing since. And the way that I was able to achieve that, and there's a lot of other things, not just one thing. But the main way that I think I was able to achieve it is that I, instead of saying I was trying to quit smoking, I just said, I'm a non-smoker. Huh. That was the identity. I was like, no, I'm, I'm, and I, it's not just something I said to people. It's something I said to myself. When I was in a situation where there was a cigarette and I had the craving for it, I would say to myself, I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not a person who does that. Interesting. And it worked. Because yeah. that's... Did it take you time to fully believe that, or did you just did did the identity it was the identity itself strong enough to keep you from that? Um, I think it's kind of a fake it till you make it situation. Sure. I don't know if it's triggering something in your brain that causes you to believe it over time, or maybe you just believe it over time because the more times you deny, if you you know you're quitting something in this case or you're building a habit, every time that you do it, you're reinforcing that identity. And I think that's why it works. Because you're saying, I am this. And every time you do it, you know, if you say, I am a boxer. And every time you box, you're reinforcing that identity. See? See? You know, like, I am a writer. Every time you write, your brain's going, yep, you are a writer. See? You're writing right now. Which is very different than saying, I'm going to write or I'm going to try to write. Because then it's about effort and it's about all these other things. But when it's about identity, it becomes easier. Hmm. I wonder, I, I'm going to try that experiment with a couple of things, actually. 
like I, I, I instead of saying I am not something, I'm gonna say, or I'm yeah, I'm gonna say an I am something. Like I am a musician. Yeah, exactly. Think about this. Um, I, this is one of the things I thought when I was reading it. I say we talked about this before. I say I'm a podcaster. You don't. Yeah, that's true. And I think it affects how you approach it. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. And I, I think that the way I approach things was different before I said I was one too. Wow! It's like I was. I, I approach writing differently before I said I am a writer. Jeez, dude, that's pretty damn profound. Actually, I didn't expect it to be that profound. <laughs> it just works. It's I don't know. It's, 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 it's almost it's it's almost like a clear sense of like self actualization in practice. Yeah, and I think it's it's literally it's not something out there, something esoteric or woo-woo. It's I think it's literally just somehow a trick of the way that the brain functions that we don't yet understand. Sure. I think it's it's like there's you know, there's like a little a little loophole that nobody knew about, and that's it. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder I wonder how how different you can be if you set up a succession of identity statements that then lead to a certain construction of the wow man i am smashing into words here okay let's try that again (laughs) holy shit that was tragic um i wonder if you can string enough of them together to define a different type of personality for yourself I think that's the whole point of it. I think that's the way that he hasn't, I haven't gone past that point in the book, but I think that's his point is that you, you should decide in, in a way it relates to the digital minimalism book too, because I mean, that's basically what he's saying, right? Intention. Well, what bigger intention is there than the, your own identity? Sure. You know, if you say, I want to be a person who jogs every day. No, you say, I'm a jogger. Hmm. And if you believe you're a jogger, guess what? You're going to jog. So you don't have to worry about all this stuff. You know, it starts to build that first. Well, it's fascinating because I say things like, I'm a golfer. And that means that I literally go out of my way to make sure that I practice every day regardless of what else I'm doing. See? Interesting. Never really thought about that. That's incredible, actually. That's why, even though I joke around and say, I'm just a dumb podcaster. I don't want to continually say that. I want to reinforce that. Sure. You are a podcaster. Yes. All right. Well, it's been an hour. <laughs> no shit. Well, wow. we still have to do challenges, but... God, that goes fast. Okay. Um, yeah, well, it's so different. It's nice. Yeah, the change of pace. Cool. That is really nice. Um, you want to go challenge first this time? Yes. Um, my challenge actually has to do with something with what we're talking about right now. So one of the things um, that I've been doing recently, uh, I just finished reading... Um, the Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And one of the things, the thing that she's most famous in that book about is the morning pages thing. You know, mm-hmm. do three handwritten pages every morning. Just, you can't stop the pen. Just keep moving. And it's not supposed to be necessarily a journal. It's just stream of consciousness. And what's one of the benefits of it, there are many benefits of it. I did this for a while. I fell off. I'm back onto it now. One of the benefits is you kind of have these realizations about things. Because you can't let the pen stop moving, so you have to think about something. So you end up like stumbling your way into thoughts. Mm-hmm. And one of them had to do with this, where um, I was thinking about, like, for example, waking up in the morning, right? I've always had difficulty waking up early in the morning. Never liked getting up early in the morning. But I've never said, I don't like getting up early in the morning. For decades, I've said, I'm not a morning person. So, so have I been reinforcing that, you know, going back to what we were just talking about, have I been reinforcing that through identity? So my challenge for myself for the week is to pay attention to all the places in my life that I use I am or I am not statements to understand how I define myself. You know, am I, am I saying I am funny or I say I am, am I not funny? You know, like pay attention to all those identity statements and then formulate this opinion of myself and then decide if that's the type of stuff I want to be saying about myself. Mm. So that's my challenge. Interesting. Okay. Um, 
Well, mine is going to be, I am going to fully produce and upload that song and have it available. Um, at, you know, barring anything that's, that's, um, that slows it down on the, the release side, um, on my end, it's going to be 100% ready to release. And that includes album artwork, photography and everything. Um, including a band name, which I don't have yet. And I'm not going to use the vacant room. Sticky um, Nichols. <laughs> Sticky Nichols. Jeez. <laughs> I, I knew you're going to come up with something. Um, <laughs> I'm not using Sticky Nichols, but I want to, that come sounds up like with, a I, really dirty porn. <laughs> it actually, ew, yuck. Um, I want to come up with something completely different for myself. I want to come up with something entirely new. You know what I mean? Okay. And I'm just going to let you know, since we're recording this on Sunday, that does give you a full, I think a full week because we, I think we're going to do these leftovers when I think we're doing these on Sundays, right? Yeah. Sunday afternoons. Yep. So you have seven, six days technically. Interesting. That's going to be a heck of a huff. Are you sure you don't want to, you want to dial it back a little bit or do you think you can do it? <coughs> no, excuse me. Well, the, problem, the, the problem is it's, it's dependent on other people and that might be the issue logistically um, because so I, I need, I need to get into my friend's recording studio to do it. So let's, uh, let's make it a little more realistic. You are okay. going to, I will record the song by this week. I don't know if I'll have it up by this week. There you go. Record song. All right. As we are apt to say, Lamb, what time is it? <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with this. What do we say at the end of every episode? That we shoot it in the foot? Yes, it's time to shoot it in the fucking oh, foot. Man. Yeah, but the way you asked the question was not indicative of that particular answer. <laughs> if you're a first-time listener, I love putting Lamb on the spot. Oh yeah, you do, and and you pick strange ways of asking questions in which I don't have any idea what you're talking about. It's perfect. I could blame okay. it on the concussion, but it's always been that way. <laughs> yeah, it's never changed. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody with every gender that you choose, welcome to Random Badassery. It's a weird time to say it at the end of the show, but if you enjoy this, tell your friends. And uh, go to the website, sign up for the newsletter. Go to Lamb's website, check out his stuff. Um, I don't know. Go sit in a room and have some solitude. Do something useful. Lamb? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely find solitude um, and, and try to do that with... Take away all your options. Put the headphones away. Put the phone away. Um, don't bring another person. Even wear a jacket that doesn't make noise. Um, and find a place and sit somewhere and stare at nothing. Bye-bye, babies. Bye.